goodness. Are you kidding me? LeBron James wins it for Cleveland! The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Hello and welcome to this new episode of the NBA Breakdown powered by Pinnacle. We've got Joe Varden, Chief Basketball Honcho at the Athletic Seth part now of the Stats Bomb. Back as ever for our breakdown of the NBA and reaching that proper business end of the season. Now all the stuff that we've talked about over the last few months, well it's kind of all irrelevant now isn't it? Because we're building up to kind of where it matters the most and uh, the end of this 2023 campaign. And we're looking forwards not backwards. The postseason playoffs are already upon us. Uh, Joe has been traveling around still on the road at the moment as well. And um, I suppose both of you have, have been following this kind of opening first few days of, of the playoffs. Um, it's really difficult to kind of know where to start because there's so many different bits and pieces. I've been reading The Athletic, Joe. I've been reading so many different things, different theories about a whole host of different teams. Obviously, we've had some sort of star names not being able to feature for some of the bigger sides as well. Um, Joe, you've been following the Heat a little bit. You were following the Heat prior to the playoffs. Um, what have you picked up whilst being on the road, first of all? Yeah, I started with the Heat for the play-in and was impressed. Um, maybe I shouldn't have been, but I, I was impressed with their desire to get that done and get into the playoffs uh, as an eight seed. There, there was this strange but uh, palpable feeling in South Beach heading into the play-in finale against Chicago that Miami had just been through too much. There was too much disappointment after being the number one seed in the East last year, uh, failing to get to the finals uh, in game seven, and then just being mediocre all year that, that the heat would pack it in basically uh, and try again next year. And that, that wasn't the case. They uh, played great and, and beat the bulls and then go up to Milwaukee and, and win game one. And right now, you know, that that is a series. We have Tyler Heroes out. He's hurt uh, with a broken hand. He's done for the playoffs. And and Giannis, uh, an MVP candidate, has missed, you know, he missed game two. So you, you're wondering where that's going to go. But, you know, kudos to the Heat for um, not just laying, for, for not only not laying down, but then getting in there right away and mixing it up with the Bucks. I'm just going to give the listeners a bit of a kind of time frame as to when we are actually recording this, just so that they know that we're not after timing or before timing or whatever it may be. So it is one all in that series at the moment. And look, Seth, you've got obviously ties to to the Bucks and Milwaukee. What are your initial thoughts then on, on what you've seen so far in, in these playoffs? Because it's, it's pretty obvious that obviously they have been missing uh, Giannis as well. And uh, just for the listeners, pinnacle.com, Heat are at fours on pinnacle to win that series i think that's pretty long odds from what you've seen so far though i mean do you expect the books just to kind of rip through the rest of this series no problem or is it going to be a bit more difficult than uh, perhaps we're giving the heat credit for uh short version is yes uh slightly longer version is if you look at the history of the bucks in the playoffs under mike budenholzer uh there is a very weird tendency to play very poorly in the first games of series even series that they are 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 the better team, um, and they, um, despite the fact that over the course of of the last you know several years of NBA history, the team that wins Game One wins about two thirds of the series. The Bucks are have won I think 
uh, seven of eleven prior to this year series where they lost game one. I, I might have that slightly off, but they are they they are regularly behind in series. They regularly uh, put up terrible offensive performances in game ones of series for whatever reason, and then sort of normalize across that. Uh, you combine that with the fact that you know in series over the last couple of, in in the playoffs over the last couple of years they've actually performed pretty well without Giannis. Uh, in large part because it seems like they remember Brooke Lopez is huge and at one point was a 20-point-per-game scorer. And while most of the time they use him as more of a floor spacer, uh, when Giannis has been out, and this was the Eastern Conference Finals against the Hawks two years ago and then uh, Game 2, where I was uh, I was at Game 2, um, they basically throw them in the ball at the front of the rim and say, go mash, and it works pretty well. Yeah, okay, okay. Um the playing tournament, just kind of going backwards a little bit, does that kind of have any bearing on what we see in the playoffs? And is it good for the schedule? You know, is, is it good for consumers of basketball? Is it good for the teams? Does it give teams a bit of a chance to kind of build a little bit of momentum, perhaps, if they've been struggling for that? Well, they've obviously been struggling for that if they were in the playing tournament to begin with, right? So does that give teams a bit of a chance to build? How, how does it kind of affect what we're looking at here? Uh, I would say the first thing is is it's is uh, at times prior to the play-in, the first round could be a little bit of a snooze. Um, you've got generally about four series that uh, you know how it's going to go, and it's going to go that way quickly. Quickly, maybe as many as as five or six of the first round series. But jumping right in with the intensity of single elimination games actually gets really the playoffs going right away. Uh, in terms of, of what it means for the longer playoffs, um, I think it's almost more about the the higher seeded teams, the, the you know the top six teams in each in each conference, kind of getting themselves right physically, uh, you know, getting that that you know four or five days off from the end of the end of the season uh, to sort of ramp up and hit the playoffs at at full strength, uh, and then you know with the playoff schedule, especially in the first round, whereas how spaced out it is, I think we're getting much more of of up or as peak physical condition as you can be after six months of play. I think it's really contributed to that. Okay. That's 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 pretty interesting. Um just looking at which some of the teams that have kind of found form a little bit then kind of coming into the into the playoffs. Um I, I want to talk about the Lakers a little bit because we've not really spoke in glowing terms about them all season long with good reason. Obviously there was the a lot of the noise and Joe you covered a lot of the um, LeBron stuff, which was obviously incredibly exciting. Um, he's had a bit of trash talk this week um, in the press as well, which is always a little bit spicy. Um, at the time of recording, they're tied at one apiece with the Grizzlies. Could they? Could they mount something? Am, am I? Am I kind of? I mean, you can can never write them off, right? This is one of these one of these things. But you know, the, the Grizzlies lacking a little bit in depth was kind of the chatter, wasn't it? But actually, he then look at the third choice. Guy Tillman, is it, who came in with something like 22 mm -hmm. points the other day. So that was in game two. So yeah. are actually the Lakers going to be up against it? Have they got their work cut out here? Well, I'm with the Lakers now, and I'm on I'm on the Grizzlies-Lakers series for the duration, and there is a lot to get to. I think it starts with LeBron, though, and Dylan Brooks' comments, calling him old, tired, said he wasn't as good now as, as he used to be. And... You could say that Dylan Brooks, he's the he's the Grizzlies probably best on ball defender. Um, 
plays with the defensive player of the year, but he's not, he's not an accomplished player and he's a bit of a carnival barker. And for him to say what he said about LeBron is disrespectful. If for no other reason than LeBron James is arguably the greatest player of all time. I mean, he's certainly, he's in the discussion. Um, So those are things you just don't say about a guy, regardless of where he is at in his career, because of what he's done, um, the opportunities he's created for everybody else. And so that's all true. But the fact remains, Dylan did say it, and we all wrote it, and it's been the talk of the league for the last few days. And so now LeBron and the Lakers do find themselves in a situation where what are they going to do about it? Uh, in the past, if any, if when people had said such things about LeBron James, he has always responded uh, in kind, not with his words, but with play. Uh, I'm most recently reminded of in 2016 when Clay Thompson with the 3-1 lead in the finals said to LeBron of LeBron, hey, man, this is a man's league. Um, LeBron responded with consecutive 41 point games and then a triple double in game <laughs> seven. Um, so you think that he is going to respond to, to Dylan and he's going to go off and the Lakers have changed themselves. Anthony Davis is healthy. Um, they do have enough to win this series, but if that doesn't happen and Dylan is proved right, that says something about, not about LeBron's career, but about where he is now and where they are moving forward. So fair or unfair, LeBron finds himself in a position, again, of not not having to prove himself, but having to answer a critic and probably the outcome of a series depending on that answer. So does that cause them a bit of a conundrum then, going, in, going into the remainder of the series? You know, because that might actually, is that going to come into their thinking? Seth, you've got your hand up, so come on, chime in. Um, I I think it does, because the interesting thing about the game one win is where was the ball when the Lakers had it at the end of the game? It wasn't LeBron. AD had some, had some, but who was setting him up? It was Austin Reeves. And this is not, you know, this is not to denigrate Austin Reeves, who's turned himself into a very good player and has probably made himself over the last couple months of the season – made himself 40, 50, 60 million, $60 million on his next contract. <laughs> and, and so the ball being in his hands, is it's justifiable. And so that's the really interesting thing here. And that creates maybe some of the tension you're talking about um, in is, are we going to go LeBron get back? Or are we going to do the best thing for us to win? Are those the same things? And this is really one of the first times you know, I, I, I've talked about this before. I wrote my first, the first is LeBron slowing down article in about February of 2016. So I'm a little <laughs> gun shy on going back to that, but at, at a certain point time comes for us all. And this is really the first time you said, okay, not only is LeBron slowing down, but should somebody else have the ball? And that's an open, I feel like that's as weird as that is. That's kind of an open question right now. LeBron had the ball in game two, and it, you don't want to go one to one, but their offense was much better in game one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I is, mean, is that what you is, picked up, Joe? Is that what you well, kind of gathered? He, I mean, if you look at LeBron's top line statistics in this series, they're fine. You know, he's, he's, I think he's averaging like 25 ish points. 
Um, he's like almost 10 or 11 rebounds. Um, you know, he's assisting. Okay. You know, but he's taken 29 shots and 16 of them are threes and only four of those threes have gone in. Um, so Dylan Brooks is preventing LeBron. He is either preventing LeBron from getting to the hole or in a, in a short series of two games, one of them, LeBron saw that Rui Hachimura and, and Austin Reeves were the open hot options. And he rightfully kind of stayed out of the way. Um, LeBron does have this in him. I don't know how much the foot injury affects it. He has looked slower to me in these first two games. And, and I think I totally agree with Seth on that. There's no doubt, but throughout the course of this regular season, he scored 40 or more points five times. He had a stretch where he scored 30 or more in seven games in a row. Um, so he can still do this. The, the I guess one other difference is for the first time in a very long time, certainly almost ever with the Lakers that he is, he is surrounded with players who you would at least consider to be um, decent options. You know, you have Anthony Davis who was supposed to be the alpha uh, of the offense. He is capable of doing that. He had a terrible game too. Um, but, you know, Reeves, uh, Rui has been awesome in the series so far. Um, D'Angelo Russell has been bad, but but he's there. You know, Malik Beasley's coming off the bench. So, so they have options. LeBron has always prided himself on making the right play and being the and and playing the way that his team needs him to play to win. So I think it's more of a question of just what do the Lakers need in these final five games? If they need him to dominate the ball to win, he will do that. Um, but if, if Anthony can get it, get it going, uh, if these other guys stay hot while the Grizzlies continue to double Anthony, then LeBron, LeBron will try to find them. Yeah. Hey, it's going to be really fascinating actually, isn't it? I mean, I can see why you're kind of on the road with them and actually really looking forward to this. Cause this is, I mean, it, it is, I mean, look, is there an argument to be had here that the Lakers, they've, if, if there's going to be any team, um, and any kind of coaching structure, and any player who is actually, you know, like you say, possesses that kind of self-awareness about what his team requires. If it's going to be any team that actually does kind of, you know, find, dig deep, dredge deep and, and find what they need, it is this Lakers team, right? Because of all the cocktail that you just kind of mentioned to try and get over the line here and then haul well, themselves even further. Well, we'll see. You know, I don't think, I, I mean, I don't know that you can trust Anthony Davis right now. Um, and then these other guys that they're relying on, uh, a lot of them, two of them anyway, are playoff novices. So we'll see what they're made of. Um, but they, but you know, LeBron's a four-time champion. Anthony won one. Um, you know, the Grizzlies get paid too. So, and they are, um, they are a scrappy group. They're together. They're the number two team in the in the West. Um, John Morant has been hurt. It had you know wasn't able to play game two but they they play very well without him um so and they, one of the things the grizzlies always do is they they seem to cover for each other well like when jock can't play because he's either in trouble for guns or because he's hurt the grizzlies find ways to win they cover for him um when dylan gets himself suspended uh runs up technicals you know runs his mouth like the grizzlies cover for him they 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 play up to to sort of back up the words that he uses so um they will be game for this 
And, you know, Jaron Jackson's off to a great start in this series. Um, Desmond Bain hasn't shot it great so far. I think he's dealing with a little bit of a foot issue. Um, but I, I like the Grizzlies system as much as any system in the NBA. And I think Taylor Jenkins, you, you know, there are questions about how, about the control he has over his team because of jaws off court stuff. And the, some of the things Dylan does or says, but when it comes to playing the right way, Taylor gets his guys, no matter who's on the floor to do it. I think more often than, than most other coaches in this league. Where else do we look? Um, away from that brilliant series because it is, I mean, it is going to be great. And like we say, we're recording. It's one apiece. Um, Seth, where else are we, are we going um, in terms of the playoffs? Where's, where, where are you looking at and going, yeah, that, that's going to be, that's going to be tight. That's going to be edgy or equally, where are you looking and going, wow, they've looked really good so far. You know, I'm talking sons, um, et cetera. Uh, I, I think sticking in the West, I mean, I think the other place that you have to go in the West is Kings Warriors. Um, I, uh, so we're recording the, the, the day after game three, when despite Draymond Green being suspended, um, the, the Warriors got what has been a typical like Warriors playoff formula where their defense is great. And Steph Curry does enough on offense to, 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 to bring them out with, with a big assist, uh, literally and figuratively from Kevon Looney who had, assists um i think that uh i that the warriors are quite possibly going to just roll through and win the series in six uh the king shot abysmally last night and uh the the suspension of draymond green which while i didn't agree with i thought that getting ejected from the game was the right call and was probably sufficient punishment i'm not i have zero sympathy for a habitual line stepper um, but I think the psychology of that turned what was a free roll for the Kings going to Golden State up to nothing into almost a much a must win. And they played like they played that way. They they're a team that plays fast, but after playing quickly but effectively in the first two games, they were in a hurry for a lot of last night. And you could see that's like we got to get this one because if we lose this one, then Draymond comes back. Then it's 2-2. Then the pressure, you can see that, almost those wheels turning. Um, so I'm, I've, I've enjoyed this series greatly so far, but I, I am very worried about the, about the Kings right now. And I think that, uh, that the Warriors, more, not, I want to say more likely than not, I think the most likely outcome is Warriors in six at this point. That's very interesting, particularly for listeners, because if they can kind of get on this fairly quickly – out at threes at the moment on Pinnacle to win that series and at two one down and what you're saying there, Seth, that's um that's worth a nibble, definitely. Um okay, looking elsewhere, Philly pretty much good as through, um, you'd say at three zip up. Um, and then you've got Celtics two 0 up against the Hawks and looking pretty good. The Nuggets, I mean they they can kind of go on cruise control right now, can't they? I mean there's there's no alarm bells really anywhere else on the on the draw, is there? No, I don't think so. I mean, certainly not, uh, certainly not with, with Denver. I want to go back. I want to go talk about the East for a minute. Uh, I want to talk about two. I want to talk about three teams. Um, I want to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers who are, are strolling through uh, Brooklyn. That, that's 3-0. But Joel was, Embiid was a little banged up in game three. Um, I, if I were Doc Rivers, I would sit him in game four. They have such command of that series. 
but they're headed towards that showdown in the second round with the Boston Celtics. And it really is, I think, now or never for this Philadelphia franchise. They've been playing great going back to March. Um, they've had an easy series. And if you think uh, that, that Joel is going to be healthy uh, in that second round, then I think this is a good chance as they're going to have to get where they, they want to go. But, you know, we're talking about the defending Eastern Conference champs and, you know, James Harden, you know, has the track record that he has. So we will see going forward there, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how Philadelphia handles this final, uh, you know, this game four and what they do with Joel. The other series I wanted to mention briefly is just the Cavs and the Knicks. They are at one, one as of this recording. And I don't know that you can say which way that one is going to go yet. Uh, the winner will, will play the winner of Milwaukee and, and Miami, who we all assume would still be in Milwaukee. But um, the Knicks took game one. Uh, Julius Randle looks awesome. Jalen Brunson is obviously game. Um, the Cavs played pretty poorly in game one, but J.B. Bickerstaff made some huge adjustments. He shrunk his rotation down to seven guys, and one of them is Danny Green, who uh, when they acquired him uh, on the open market, they didn't play him at all, and now he's in there. Uh, Jetty Osmond is the other one playing. He's gone away from Ricky Rubio and Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens. Um, Darius Garland was awesome in game two, and Evan Mobley was awesome in game two. So that series, I think, is going to go seven, and I'm not sure you could say uh, who you want or who you think is coming out. Um, I've picked the Cavs, but this team, this seems like a really interesting and, and evenly matched series. That's interesting. And and if they do, you know, if the Cavs or the Knicks, you know, whoever it is who advances, do you give them either of those two sides much of a chance against the Bucks? Obviously, we don't know how they're going to be faring in terms of Giannis and other injuries, etc. But just kind of off the bat, you know, looking much further ahead here, is that, you know, are the Bucks absolutely too strong for, for either of those two sides? I think the matchup is... Fairly straightforward with the Bucks against the Knicks. I think that the the Cavs do not have much depth, as Joe sort of alluded to with them shrinking their rotation. But the top end talents, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell being able to take over games, um, the the uh, uh, the fact that the Bucks have at times struggled with with uh, defending kind of quicker guards, and the the Cavs having two of them, uh, the Cavs having having do good interior defenders in Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. I still think that the the sort of the lack of bulk among those two bigs and the lack of depth overall with the Cavs, um, it tilts the series very strongly in favor of, of, of the perspective series, very strongly in favor of Milwaukee. But I think that the Cavs would have a, a better chance and, and sort of more resistance than uh, the Knicks, whose, whose offense uh, will play very well into what, Milwaukee would like to do defensively and I just think it's a it is a uh and and then not really having a lot for Giannis um in particular assuming he's I mean he's he's out with a back injury but I think by the second round we're largely expecting him to be fine I think yeah that's the thing there's a lot of um a lot of hypotheticals and like we mentioned there are some big stars missing from you know particularly this weekend heading forward Seth if if we're looking ahead to to second round matchups in the east I want to highlight an individual player matchup which I am kind of, again, assuming the Celtics and, and Sixers advance fairly uh, straightforwardly as it looks like they're going to do. 
the Derek White Tyrese Maxey matchup in the second round among players who do not have huge profiles. I am, I am fascinated. I am here for that. I think that's two of the um, underrated guards in the East uh, kind of going at it and kind of whether Maxey's speed and scoring or White's kind of all around uh, basketball goodness. I think that's a, that's a potential huge swing factor in that series and for like basketball nerds, like that's the kind of stuff we, we get off on <laughs> basketball. Goodness. That's yeah. nice. That's really good. Um, Joe Varden, give us some of your basketball goodness here. Just, uh, just going back um, to, to the West, because like we, like we said, you know, the Celtics, can can probably afford themselves um, a little bit of rotation, and like you mentioned, you know, for Philly, the, the luxury of being three nothing up is the fact that you can rotate a little bit. Joel Embiid might get a little bit of rest. Um, just going back to to the other conference, then. So so the Nuggets looking fairly comfortable. The Suns. We've not talked too much about the Suns. We did a little bit on them in the last podcast. I seem to remember. How is that meshing going? Um, and and how is it all kind of coming together? Because obviously they made a few little sort of moves in the, in the trades. Um, how's it? How's that kind of looking from a Suns perspective? James, I'm I'm glad you brought this up. I I happened to be at Game Three, uh, just because my the series I'm on the travel day shifted us to LA, and that's where Game Three between the Suns and the Clippers were. And I do have some thoughts on this. Um, Ty Lue, the coach of the Clippers, has elected to take Durant out of this series and make Devin Booker beat his team. Um, taking Durant out is relative. He still had 25 or 26 points the other night but he is not getting the touches that he's used to. The Clippers are two hands shoving him off of his cuts. And even when he's just standing there, like they are bodying him up when he doesn't have the ball. Um, Devin Booker, the last two games has destroyed them because of it. Uh, he is beating every coverage that, that Ty has thrown at him. Um, and so you say the Suns are beginning uh, after a rough game one, that th- they are beginning to play a little bit better. Now, the caveat is uh, Paul George is not playing in this series. And now Kawhi Leonard again is hurt. He has a sprained right knee. He missed game three. We don't know about his availability going into game four. The Clippers cannot win this series without Kawhi Leonard. Um, this is very frustrating for the Clippers who had have had to deal with injuries to Kawhi or PG or both since the moment the two of them walked in the door, highly frustrating. And it all comes at a time where Ty Lue has found a way to resurrect Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has been awesome in this series. He's uh, he had 30 plus the other night and it, it is, a, it is an efficient uh, he, he, he is playing efficiently. He, he does not look anything like he looks when he played for the Lakers. And it's uh, it's fascinating and refreshing to see but it's coming at a time when they need Kawhi against a loaded Suns team, and it's just he's not there. Okay, okay, Seth, have you have you managed to sort of pick anything up on that? It's good that Joe actually was was kind of there for that, just by by coincidence. That was a, an unexpected bit of basketball goodness there. <laughs> I'm I'm smiling when Joe mentioned Westbrook and efficient in the same because we don't usually hear that. At the same time, he was three of nineteen in game one. And it may have been the best three of 19 performance <laughs> we've ever, like he was, he's actually like, it, it's hard to be a positive net contributor and shoot that poorly, but he made a lot of the plays that won them the game down the stretch of that. 
Um, so, so credit there. Um, I do want to go back to the Suns and uh, the fact that, you know, a lot of it was made of the Suns being 7-0 and with kind of their team uh, together after the, um, the, the, the trade for Kevin Durant. And, but the fact was they, they played zero playoff teams. Uh, they played the Nuggets twice. Both games, the Nuggets were sitting everybody. So it's sake saying that they've played basically zero. And, and I think we're seeing that um, even winning these games, it's not easy. And some of that's credit to the Clippers. The Clippers with Kawhi, especially are very good. Like if, if you told me that Kawhi was healthy and the Clippers went on a run, made the finals. I, you know, I would be surprised, but not shocked. At the same time, um, the fact that they need Devin Booker to be as incandescent as he's been to win these games um, is, is worrisome. I think, I mean, you can, you can win the championship that way by having your star players do star things for two months. It's not the easiest road to go. But, again, that's why you assemble the talent they have. Um, I, this, is, this is a little bit what we, we talked before and we were like pump the brakes in the suns a little bit. I think this is a little what we're talking about. They can, but it's not going to be easy. Okay. Okay. This is um this is this is interesting. We've kind of given some thoughts on pretty much every matchup here. And yes, we understand that it is a bit strange um listeners kind of doing this as the series are already underway. Um just uh going back to the conversation that we kind of always have when we wrap things up here on the NBA breakdown. From what we've seen then so far, what, does it kind of change who he thinks going to be the overall kind of winners? Um, it's not really deviated too much throughout the season here on the podcast, but I just want to get both of your thoughts collectively then on if there's anything where you kind of go, and actually, you know what? I, I've thought this for the last six months, but now I'm kind of changing my mind or no, I'm absolutely kind of resolute in, in my thinking in terms of who, who's going to you know be the NBA champions. Um, Seth, you've got a bit of a grin on your face. So I am, I am stubborn. First. Our first pod we did this year, I said bucks over nuggets and um, largely because the, it's been straightforward for the nuggets and it's been a, everyone else has shown a little bit of a struggle. I don't see any reason to deviate from that. I mean, you would worry, worry more about the Bucks, I guess, but I'm I'm not uh, as we as we talked about up front. I'm not actually worried about the Bucks in this series, and they have an easier second round series than the other half of the bracket. So I am gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Okay, that's nice, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm gonna allow myself at least for this pod to to fall victim to recency bias. Um, I, I have been concerned about the Bucks health. I think, I don't know about on this pod, but I, I've been walking around town in October talking about the Bucks, uh, maybe winning in the finals and then Giannis getting hurt right away. You're always concerned about Middleton's leg. Um, so I I'm concerned there. And I think the East is a little bit more open than it otherwise might've been. The Nuggets uh, are the team we've talked about probably the least, uh, today, they have looked great in this series, um, and they're playing a little bit better defensively, I think, than than maybe we thought they might. But the Suns are going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on them, and we will see. Uh, we will see if 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 what they do to to, to Jokic um, when the Nuggets are on defense, if they can if they can stand up to that. So, um, you know, Bucks. Celtics Sixers out of the East. 
Um, Suns, maybe Denver. I mean, that's a big second round. Um, I think those are the those are the the five teams that that you're thinking about right now. That makes all sense as well. And for any listeners, you can go to pinnacle.com. All odds are correct at the time of recording as well. That was fairly straightforward. We kind of whipped through all the different matchups at the moment. We'll reconvene um, soon at the conclusion of uh, these kind of first round matchups. And hopefully um, we've been kind of proved correct and there's not been any kind of ridiculous comebacks from those teams who we were saying, yeah, they're good as through. Yeah, no problem. So we'll we'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, thanks to, so much to you both. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next month ahead of the conference finals. Also, just keep ahead. Um, keep an eye across Pinnacle's uh, you know, content, basically. There's plenty coming up throughout April and, and May. Soccer season coming to an end, transitioning onto major season of both golf and, of course, the French Open tennis as well. And uh, there's all the NBA predictions articles on the betting resources page as well of the website. There's also, and we, I'm not going to pressure you guys on this because we're running out of, uh, out of time, but there is the NCAA and the Euro League odds up on the website as well. So at Pinnacle on Twitter and Pinnacle Sports as well so uh, joe varden seth partner thank you very much for the moment and just a reminder to always gamble responsibly <laughs>